Welcome in, everybody, to the Producers Podcast. I'm Colin Sanker, joined with uh, joined by John, the morning man. I'm going to continue at Simmer. John, good uh, good being on with you again. It's been yeah, a few man. weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Lots happened since then. It has. Yeah. Uh, the abs, we felt like we're going strong. Yeah, that didn't turn out very good. It, it did not. No. The Nuggets, they were, uh, you know, they uh, got their way through Minnesota. Yeah. And now they're in a dogfight with the Suns. Mm-hmm. And the NFL draft happened, came and went. The Broncos spent five picks, and there's nothing really else to talk about. Yeah, they got exactly. five guys. Yep, and that's it. <laughs> and then we won't know until, I mean, even probably a couple years down the line if they're worth anything. But. It, it's true. And the one thing I do think the Broncos did get out of that draft was with, with their trade of the sixth-round pick to get Adam Troutman, a tight end from the Saints, not really – a big name, someone who you're going to really know, but it's a Sean Payton guy and a guy who's right. played in the NFL. So at least he is NFL ready. That's really about all the insight. Yeah, I think really the only thing to take away from the Broncos draft is that George Payton probably isn't going to be here next year. And the reason I say that is not because, well, he's not very good at his job, but if is just he's so like different from Sean Payton. Sean Payton was super aggressive in this draft, where George Payton is the complete opposite where George Payne likes to stack picks. What's the what's the uh, phrase he uses? More darts to throw at the dartboard or yeah. whatever. Where Sean Payton was way more aggressive and he likes to move up. I saw something on ESPN Stats and Info like the Saints haven't traded back in the draft for like 13 years or oh, something really? insane. Yeah, so it's just – and then in the post-draft uh, conversation, it was like George was asked about that. And he and basically, you know, he was just like, oh, I don't know. Like, he was basically insinuating oh, it would have been nice to have more draft picks. And then Sean Payton, like, kind of like he didn't interrupt him, but kind of kicked in. He's like, "See, I told you it'd be fun." And George was like, oh, yeah. so <laughs> "They're just they're just such contrasting personalities that I don't think George Payton's going to be our general manager next year, especially if the Broncos are like middle of the road. Yeah, because um, eventually those two are just going to butt heads unless George completely falls in. It's like you know." I might hate it, but everything you say goes, Sean, which was definitely the way that they did in the draft. So, if anything, Sean Payton is going to be ultra-aggressive in everything. We know he's an aggressive coach, and now we really do know that he's an aggressive in the draft. It didn't take much to just like go look at past Saint drafts um, to know that he is aggressive, but I think that's like the biggest takeaway is that we're getting like the most like in – What's like the the most established, confident in himself coach and confident in his ways coach um, that we've had here in the last seven years, honestly, since uh, since Coop's left. So I'm excited about that. And it's just nice to have that kind of like change of pace where I feel like with the Broncos, we've had like they've just endeared to the fan base. And like it's like, you know, it's always promises of tomorrow Yeah. where with Sean Payton, it's like I don't you know, to a lesser extent, I don't care about you, the fans. I don't care about your opinions. I'm going to do what I want. And then you're going to just like agree that I was right because we're going to win football games. <laughs> and I like that. I love that. I mean, as Coop said, fixing to find out. Yeah, fixing uh, to find out. But we know, like, at least I'm super confident in Sean Payton. I may, I was like kind of like not huge on him just because throughout the whole like hiring process and stuff, he just like couldn't find a microphone that he didn't like. Um, but now he's like completely gone against that. You know, he's just yeah. like, and I love it. Like from a media perspective, you hate it. Cause it's just like, what the hell are the Broncos doing down there? 
But from like a pure fan perspective, I love it because I thought just about everything the Broncos did last year was cringe. Like literally cringe. That's the word. Like the whole like schedule release stuff. And they like tried to parody the office. Yeah. Like the only thing good about last season that I thought was like the behind the Broncos stuff. But then like they would like show Hackett and he's all goofy and stuff. And no, don't get me wrong. I was huge on Hackett. I thought he was going to be great, but he was cringe. Yeah. He was just a cringe human being. It got being. to a point where you're like, just stop. Yeah, he's stop like tugalicious. I called it tugalicious. Like, stop. Stop it now, please. Like, what are we doing? But, well, yeah, and, uh, you know, we talked about this in kind of the pre-show. I was like, yeah, there's not much Broncos, and it's good because it is different than right. what we've seen in the past because what's happened in the past hasn't worked for this team. I do feel bad for some of the draft picks not getting their, you know, moment in the sun. No, who cares? But at the end of the day, this is about winning football games. And it's not about that moment. It's about the team being successful. Even going back to what you said, how they're oil and water. What I said before this draft is that George Payton needs to hit on at least two guys that are bona fide starters and find gems in this draft Mm. in order to save his job with that few draft picks. You can't just say, well, you have a, you know, what should have been the fifth fifth overall pick mm-hmm. and you find a good guy. Wow. Big surprise. You know, good job there. Congratulations. Right. You, you did a good job with your fifth pick. But if George Payton could not find any gems or guys in this draft who make an immediate impact, then his job is gone. I even think then, though, you know, with Sean Payton being who he is, if they do f- say like. I know there's, like, a lot of hype around Zach Moss. So let's just say Zach Moss. Maybe he turns out, like, it's like, wow, this kid is already, like, we have a starter opposite of PS2. He just balls out this year. Like, this dude is a stud. Who's to say that Sean Payton isn't like, George didn't have anything to do with this. He was just like, he was just the guy that I had to work with for a year. I'm the one who's found, you know, Alvin Kamara, Zach Streif, who's on my coaching staff now. Um, Go down the list, um, the, the middle linebacker. Um, God, I'm Demario Davis. You know, I'm the one who's found all these just studs in the third round. Uh, Michael Thomas was a second or yep. third round pick. So I, I wouldn't be so shocked if Sean Payne's like, thanks, but no thanks, George. You know, it was a good year. You did everything I asked you to. Now get the hell out yeah. of my office. It's, it's my job. Like, let me get somebody in here who I handpicked, um, which he's done with all of his staff. So I wouldn't be shocked if that is anyway. And, um, you know, George Payton, whatever, he's, you know, he was a lot of hype the first year and then he fell off the second year, which is unfortunate. But um, I don't know. I just I just like Sean's uh, bravado, and I just don't think George really necessarily, like, coincides with that. So I wouldn't be shocked if, um, if George isn't here regardless. But that all being said, as long as some of these draft picks hit, yeah. right? Like, that's all that we care about as fans. Whether George Payton's here next year or not, you know, I hope that it's it's Sean Payton, the one that we really hope we hit on. Yeah, just just make make it work no yeah. matter what it is. Just that's that's all we ask football, for. Man. Just, yeah, just make us, like, not have to, like, a month and a half into the season. You're like, all right, well, 2024, man. Uh, you know, like, what are we going to get for the draft picks next year? Because it's been like that for the last seven years. Well, yeah, and, I mean, we don't have 500 records anymore in the NFL, but, man, what, wouldn't it be nice to see 500, you know, after September in a right. football season? Just as long as how is it, it – it almost feels like the record or I guess doesn't necessarily ago. matter in the context of you just – how it looks. So I don't care if we go – I mean, obviously, if we have, like, another 4-13 and, and year – 
that's not ideal. But it's like, you know, I don't really care if we win seven or nine games just on how it looks. If we look competent and like, okay, we lost, you know, in, you know, games that were decided by a field goal or less. We went 0-3. Yeah. But it looked in a way that you can build upon. Well, it's not as losing 12-9. To, to right, exactly. That like was if we lost, ugly. If we lost like 38-35. to 35, it shows and, it shows some movement and yeah, some growth and, and, with the you offense. Know, and Russ was unable to, you know, do a certain thing. Or like, you know, Garrett Bowles had a bad holding penalty. Those are all like negative things. But at least it's something as a whole that you can build your foundation on. And if you can identify the small things that aren't working, unfortunately, if it's like Russ, then you know, okay, we need another quarterback. You know? And well, that's a whole other can of worms. It, it really is. And that's something that, won't change this year. We know that we know that right. Russ is a quarterback this year, and that's hopefully not a conversation that we have to have next offseason, but if we do, we've had two years to prepare for it because yeah. we obviously have not seen good football for two years. Right. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, just a fandom, and I, I had a chance. I had an opportunity to go to New York this weekend to knock another stadium off my list. I went to the Rockies versus Mets. And that's, is that City Field? City Field, yeah. It used to be Shea. And... You know, I, I would like to take credit to say that once I got over the New York border, you know, the Rockies stayed, you know, started playing well because mm-hmm. it was Friday or Friday late at night, and they lost one nothing to the Mets. Mm-hmm. So you know, they didn't score any runs, but they held the Mets to one. They won Saturday, the game I went to, and then they won Sunday and demolished them all. You know, mm-hmm. the game started while I was still around, so you know, well, I'm you not going to take stop. credit, but <laughs> you need to stop going to Rockies games. You need to stop because I hammered the under. Oh, I'm sure. So, well, and, and I've said this too. One thing I'd like to see if the Rockies lose, if they're going to lose a hundred games, which as as a lifelong Rockies fan, I something I don't want to see. Not that I'm oblivious to the fact that it's going to happen at sure. some point. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to happen, but it hasn't happened yet right. in in all my years around. But if you're going to do it, just do it in grand fashion. Just mm-hmm. literally blow it out of the water. Like lose 110. 142 games. Yeah. Who cares? Right. Like, win 20, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Um, but when I was at the game, one thing that I noticed, the Rockies were the Rockies were beating the Mets. It's the eighth inning, mm-hmm. and there's two outs. The Rockies have pretty much handled the Mets in this game. Mm-hmm. And the Mets end up getting two runners on. on one was a fluky, uh, kind of a fluky play, but... Jeff McNeil, they have Jeff, or not McNeil? I uh, know it was Jeff McNeil. Excuse me. Comes up to bat. He's a pinch hitter who comes uh, off the bench. He wasn't playing that day, and the fans got so amped up, like the stadium got loud. Mm. It gave me chills because I, as a Colorado fan, haven't experienced that in a while, mm. especially with baseball. But even this last season with hockey. Mm-hmm. When the abs were down, you didn't feel the same energy. Last year, you did. Mm-hmm. But two years ago, you didn't really feel the same, we're going to win this type of energy. And that's what I got from the fans at City Field. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt coming out of them when they had really a longest of long shots. It felt like they were going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what the crowd, you could feel they believed in their right. team that much. Right. So even with the Broncos struggles this last year, the no-shows, the counting down of the clock, have Colorado fans kind of given up on their teams, or do they give up a little too easily? 
because this is a Mets team who isn't meeting expectations. Right. Verlander hasn't pitched well. It's they're not a great team, but their fans are still they have belief. Right. They have faith. So do you think whether it be football? I mean, I'm kind of giving a generalization. I think Nuggets fans haven't given up because of what they've done, and we'll right. talk about the Nuggets in a second. But I think a lot of Colorado fans don't have the same belief in their team. And, you know, I don't know if it's well-deserved. With the Rockies, I think it is. But with teams like the Broncos, I think that they've we've lost some of that faith in the team. I can't speak because I've never I've never lived on like near the northeast i've lived in the southeast but haven't lived near the northeast nor have i ever been to new york so i don't know if that fandom traditionally is kind of like always blind faith but the one so i would make two i would just throw two ideas to support the fact of like why colorado fans aren't i don't want to say like as passionate but don't just like get as loud in those moments or um what have you but it may be are like are we almost too educated as sports fans? And maybe it's the opposite, but I would almost say, are we too educated? We're so in tune with our teams that we know we're not clutch. And like, so it's almost as if a a thing of like, you'd like for them to do it, you know, but, and I think, and maybe it was with you. I can't remember who was with, but like Denver fans just aren't nearly as rowdy. As yeah. maybe like I've heard stories in the eighties and nineties at Broncos games, and we're not nearly as rowdy of a fan base as I've heard or I've never experienced that. Yeah. Um I would love to be like a college atmosphere, but I've gone to a couple I've gone to a handful of Broncos games and by no means am I someone who just goes to a lot of sporting events because especially at Broncos games, I've complained about this. I just you know, I hate to be harsh, but I just kind of feel like the the sight lines for like relatively cheap tickets, especially at Invesco or whatever you want to call it now, aren't very good. I'd much rather just watch it at home. Um, no, I agree. I agree completely. With so I don't know stadium. if it's just like we're just so in tune with our teams that like we're just not. We just don't. We we don't manufacture. Try to like manufacture hype for our team if we're down. Um, and another thing that, and I know it's like comparative to New York, but I don't know. And this is kind of like outside of sports, but obviously Colorado and Denver is such a like a central hub for other states, people from other states be moving here that it's actually forced a lot of locals out. I know that for a fact. So it might just be, you know, we're such a and I've heard this. I heard I think it was Sydney that was telling me this because she, she would go to a bunch of Nuggets games or so. It maybe it was someone else. But, you know, Nuggets games are very like commercial like it's a bunch of just kind of like people who work downtown who are like still in their kind of like business casual attire. Yeah, they took who might the tie just be off catching and, a yeah. game. Yeah, that you know aren't getting super hot, but they're like you know these business types who are going to just watch a good product and aren't necessarily there for their fandom, just their enjoyment of entertainment. Um, so I don't know if that would factor in as well. That is just. Not a lot of locals going into this game and kind of catching the hot ticket. Like you said, the Avs or the Nuggets and not so much the Broncos now. But maybe if we get things going under Sean Payton. So it's not necessarily like a, a like a fandom going to the game. It's more of these kind of like, it's the type of people going to the game as well that aren't kind of, just, they're just kind of neutral. They just want to watch something good. They want to be entertained yeah. as opposed to watch their team play. Um and then when they get down, it's not entertaining anymore. 
So you're not going to try to like hype up the team or whatever if you're not invested in that in that kind of like light. And I think I, you know, part of what I really like about what you said is, you know, the educated or we know our teams, mm. you know, and the lack of blind faith, which right. I think is something that for me as as a Rockies fan and all Colorado sports fan, you know, I've I've made the commitment to go watch the Rockies on the road and spent not spend my money at Coors Field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been to Coors Field three times this year and I spent fourteen dollars. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot more than fourteen dollars going to New York. Right. Because <laughs> right. I'd rather spend my money. I'd want to watch my team, but I also don't want to put my money in the Monforts' pockets. Right. So, I like that. with that being said, like the educated fans, you know, a lot of us do know what our team is. Mm-hmm. And last year for the Avs, like I said, it felt like that felt like something special. And with the Broncos, you know, knowing people leaving and not showing up, you know what you expect. And I do believe that I I didn't look at it from that aspect of knowing what you have, but also fans don't want to watch a bad product Mm. with the exception of Coors Field. You know, Coors Field being the best bar in Denver as has been dubbed by many people. I'm not the first to call it that. You know, people go there to enjoy a night out and watch a great sunset, not right. watch good baseball. Right. So, you know, I, I didn't even think about that aspect of it, but it did make me sad that, you know, that there isn't kind of that blind faith or even right. hope that, that the Rockies themselves and even, you know, some other teams haven't instilled that type of faith within the fan base to have blind faith to just, right. we're going to win this game. Right. We're, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't I matter if we're down by center. 30 points. Yeah. And it, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, it is also knowing who your team is. And, you know, the Nuggets, it's it's one of those, if they have a bad third quarter, you kind of you kind of you come to expect a bad third quarter mm-hmm. from the Nuggets team. So, you know, I like how you put that as the education. But let's get into the Nuggets who, you know, the Nuggets decided to get lost in this series, I think. And my my turning point for this going back to Phoenix was when Chris Paul got hurt and he was out. And I said to some of my friends that I thought that this was going to hurt the Nuggets more than it was going to help the Nuggets, Chris Paul being out. Because the fact is the Nuggets felt like they had to be so on point. They had to be so focused because you have Chris Paul, you have Devin Booker, you have uh, KD, Aiton to another you know degree. But you have to be so hyper-focused and so vigilant about what these guys are doing that losing a guy like Chris Paul gave the Nuggets a reason to relax. And then going to you know Phoenix for those next two games, which they lost consecutively, Michael Malone even said it after game three. They started off slow. Mm-hmm. And they were in the game on Sunday night against the Suns. I just wonder if these guys really have the mental fortitude to make it through as as we approach right. game five tonight against the Suns. Will the Nuggets coming back home get their focus back? Because it seemed like a team of no focus on right. the road. Well, if what you said is true, and obviously we can't like dive into the heads of that team, and the, they would never like say it. But if that's true, then they're never going to win a championship, you know, because it's just like if you see someone go down, it's like it's it's like a lion seeing its prey get like maimed or injured and then being like, oh, it's too easy. So I'm going to like go for a different 
antelope or whatever, you know. It's just Yeah, like, I'm gonna go get some water while you, you get yeah, better. Or, or, yeah, get, get I'm some just, help. I'm gonna go drink at the watering hole real quick and then I'll come back in an hour and see if you're still there and then I'll eat you. Yeah. Like I'm not that hungry right now. That's and then it gets up and walks away. So you gotta have that killer mindset of like, okay, he's down, we gotta step on their necks now and make them wish that they never played us again or like it's just so it that's the mental makeup that you speak of and I don't know if they have I don't know if they have it to be honest. I'll kind of expose myself a little bit when I played, you know, sports in high school and stuff. I'm just like a overthinker just naturally as a human being. And when like big games came up, I usually like shrank mentally. Like I just like wasn't made for that moment. Um and it took like a lot for me to and granted now this is like, you know, varsity soccer in high school. So it's not like I played at a yeah. super high level, but it it does you have to like there's that mental hurdle that you have to just like either naturally have or talk yourself into and i had to spend like on game day like 30 30 minutes to 45 minutes by myself just making sure that i can even like put my shoes on correctly because i would just like hype this game up so big in my head that if i didn't spend that time and i had to learn this about myself but if i didn't spend that time getting myself ready i was just gonna poop the bed like i was gonna be like I would like I would just miss passes. I would hit them out of bounds. I would play horrible. Yeah. Um. And so I feel like, and I, you know, I would watch like, and I would almost like because I was at, and again, not trying to have myself for it, but I was like a key part of my team to just like be successful. And I see, you know, and I would almost wish that I wasn't a key part of my team so I could just like be off the bench or be a role player. And not have to like be at a hundred percent for us to play well. Like I, I literally wish that, and I just didn't have that like super killer monster instinct, no. you know, um, to to be that killer in like the best in the biggest of games. And I feel like a lot of people are like that on on the Nuggets. To be honest, like Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. is just like you don't see them stepping up and taking that that you know to heart that they need to be that killer outside no. of uh, Jokic or Murray. So as far as, you know, I can understand how that comes from, but at the same time, does it make it excusable? No. You know, so it, I just don't think they have those killers on that team. Yeah. Much and, like I wasn't. And and that's uh, what you were describing. I mean, it, paralysis by analysis type yeah. of thing, uh, which I totally understand. I totally get that because sometimes you overthink it. And then, you know, I think the Nuggets part is that they stopped thinking because they felt like it was going to be, Easier without, you know, uh, or at least hoped that it'd be easier. Yeah, yeah, without Chris Paul. Well, he's gone. And I've even said this, you know, I've said this too before is that, you know, I have no problem if a guy like DeAndre Aiden beats the Nuggets. I have no problem if Landry Schmidt beats the Nuggets. But the problem is, is that those guys weren't the ones being the Nuggets when you still have a guy like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant both both go for 36. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shamit hit some big buckets, but you got two guys going for 72 points in one game. Uh, the day after they went for 80, right. or, See, or the I'm game the after opposite. they went for 80. I'm the opposite. I'm pissed that some bum off the bench, Landry Shamit, was the reason why we lost. Well, I'm yeah. pissed if DeAndre Ayton is the reason why we lost. You let KD and Booker get theirs because they're just they're all world athletes. Yeah, they're all but world players. I, I guess my mindset is if you shut those guys down and the, those other guys beat you, I mean. But the thing so is, you're not going to shut those guys down. 
They're going to get I, theirs. Well, I mean, for the first two games, they – I mean, Booker still had some good games, but KD was not – I mean, he wasn't scoring 30 a game. Right. So, That's true. But, you know, Aaron Gordon – and you talked about Aaron Gordon earlier. Aaron Gordon was playing great defense. He, he was like the MVP in game defense. one and two. Yeah. He looked like he was on a different level. Mm-hmm. And now he's become, you know, a, a subhuman, not subhuman. I don't know. He, he's just become human a bystander, again. Yeah. yeah. A bystander. And for game one, that was probably like I was because I was watching with a couple of buddies. I was like, I just couldn't stop like oogling over their defense. Yeah. That was like basketball porn. To me, game one, <laughs> dude, they were making they were making so many steals in the defensive effort. Like it was like actually fun to watch them play defense. Michael Porter Jr. was just like closing on every three point attempt, going for loose boards. Like and the fact that like Bruce Brown and Jamal were just like making steals, it was literally basketball porn to me. I loved watching game one. Game two was a little better, but game one to me was like the most fun I've had watching a Nuggets game. In a while, like in just like pure fun, because it was just like, I don't know. I just loved the they just showed that they cared. And I feel like and you'll hear ex-athletes say all the time, especially in basketball, defenses just want to. Mm. It's just do you want to put forth the extra effort, especially in the NBA? And it was just like the Nuggets wanted that game so bad. And you can feel that even from watching it on the TV. It was like it was just like it touched your competitive spirit no matter how much or how little you have. Um, And then, obviously, in Game 3. Game 3, to me, honestly, I just enjoyed just, like, watching as a basketball fan. And I was okay with the loss because Devin Booker was just, like, unconscious, dude. He he made, like, four or five shots where he's, like, double clutching and, like, has a man in his face and he's making it no problem. It was Jamal Murray from Game 2. Yeah, so it's just, like... In game three, it was just kind of like, I'm not even mad because they still played, like, pretty decent defense, and they couldn't get any, like, they were not rewarded for their efforts. It was just, that was just the Devin Booker game. He just went absolutely ballistic. And then game four was kind of a little bit of the same. Um, Game four felt more winnable, but, you know, game three was just kind of like, wow, Booker just went nuclear. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You just kind of throw up your hands, and he was a better player, which happens a lot in professional sports because they're the best in the world at what they do. Yeah, but at, at the same time, even Malone came out and said that he felt that the team started slow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I go back to my original point with these Nuggets. They don't have that mentality. You right. know, you said it. They let they let the Suns kind of hang around. Right. You know, they, they attacked them. They injured them. They hurt them. And then they let them get yeah. better. They kind of like and wish get some and confidence. Cuz again, going back to like myself, a lot of the time I wasn't like and again, yes, I, I know it's soccer or whatever, but I was a lot of the time I wasn't the aggressor. Like I would just kind of let the game flow to me. And you know, in in soccer is kind of like you want to get a touch here and there, you know, just like have the ball hit your foot, you know, in live action, have like a, you know, a one, two with your, I played outside mid, so with your center midfielder, have a ball, like send a ball to your striker, see, just like get the projections right, things of that nature. And then like in a playoff game, in a playoff atmosphere or a game to make the playoffs, it, everything's like tighter. There's that tension in the air, you know, it's usually cold. Yeah. It's like, you know, and so you're, there's like a little more tension to it and you want to like, you want to attack the game a little more. And I feel like in in those games, I would be like, 
I'd almost kind of want to not be seen by my teammates and be like, oh, God, I hope they don't. Because, again, I would just I, I was a head case sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And so I'd be like, but then once I got that first touch, if it wasn't good, then, like, it would, like, send me off a little more. Mm. And so I'm I'm more than, you know, man enough to admit it. And so I'm also in high school, you know, and I'm not, like, a crazy athlete. So, yeah. like, you know, at that time it's like, you know, you do want to cower a little more, but that's kind of what I see with the nuggets to an extent of like, like you said, it's just like, like, Oh, don't pass me the ball. Like Jokic, go, go do something. Or Murray, do go do something. Score yeah. 51 so, tonight, please. Exactly. So, and, but then they never like get that, you know, they, they just kind of wish and hope. It's a lot of wishing and hoping it feels like, you yeah. know? And then, but the one way I would say to like counteract that on in basketball is just to play defense. You know, that would be the one thing that I can always fall back on is like, because again, defense is just effort and want to in any sport. You know, maybe not, maybe football is a little different because it's not as like fluid as a game of a game, I guess, as like basketball, hockey, you know, there's more stoppages, soccer. Um, So that's the one thing is you can hang your hat on is just like keep your man in front of you and don't let him get past you. That's like you can boil it down to like the simplest way. And the Nuggets weren't even doing that on defense. And it's like, you put in Christian Brown, and then I feel like in in Phoenix, Christian Brown's limitations were emphasized the most. But it's on the offensive side. Yeah, you know, like I they saw needed, him, they needed the points. He had like a free throw early on. I think it was getting game four, and it was like he like he didn't double pump, but he stopped his dribble and like looked at the basket for good two to three seconds, enough time to be like. For you to kind of like tilt your head, that was different. And then he bricked it, you know. And it's just kind of like that mental with him, with Christian. It's like being a rookie too. I'm sure the game's moving a million miles yeah. an hour, but it's like on on offense, it does take a certain like a ten, not a like it's just an attack mentality. Where on defense for him, it's a little more natural and easier because he's able to put that effort forth on defense. Where on offense, a little it's a little more difficult for him. So you definitely. You know, and I saw him take a three that was way off. So it's it's just kind of like was an all encompassing bad trip for the Nuggets um, in Phoenix. But. Well, and when you get when you get in your head like that, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Sometimes you, you mentioned, well, it just needs to be the ball striking your foot right, or you know, a good right. pass. Seeing but if the first one's bad, the then it just piles and piles up yeah. and it can go for so many sports you see it i mean in golf one of the headiest games out yeah. there you see guys who have a terrible first tee shot and never recover from mm-hmm. it and the nuggets let's hope that they get their first buckets in because it did feel a lot of waiting they mm-hmm. weren't attacking they were just letting it happen and it's kind of part of the same downfall i saw for the avalanche they weren't attacking they were making you know having the game come to them and usually the aggressor is going to get the calls, which we saw the Suns get into the bonus early in the game and get those free throws. So, yeah, an attack mentality and going after it, you know, will and want to, like you said, for defense, that will turn into points. And everybody knows that Michael Malone loves some defense. Right. I wonder, and you said something, and I, this might come off as homerish or like being a homer or maybe even a little conspiratorial, but... I think, like, just looking at it objectively, most Denver teams don't get calls as much as, like, no. they're just not a big market. And the NBA, more than any other sport, has proven they care about, like, market ratings in the playoffs and matchups more than anything. 
Yeah. Now, whether they outright rig it or they just try to influence the outcome of games, I don't know, but they do something. Like, they definitely, they prefer something. Oh, they, there's no they doubt. might not act upon it, but come on. But I mean, you know that they're the so happy that there's players. Golden State oh, and the course. Lakers playing right now. Course, I mean, that so. series, I mean, that series is fun. And speaking of that, we will leave on this note in this question. So, I mean, assuming this series goes seven or is a long series and it's tough in a run out uh, series between the Nuggets, if the Nuggets can win it, do you think that that bodes well for them going on to the next round, whether it be the Lakers or the Suns, if they have to Lakers really or the play- Warriors, you mean? Or Lakers are yeah, Lakers are Warriors, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have to play either of those teams, do you think this is a good thing for this Nuggets team to go through? Because let's be honest, they pretty much cakewalked Minnesota. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't it was tough, but it wasn't difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, it's a hard question because the Warriors can just like turn and fuego yeah. at any point. But I think. But- I think as long as they focus on themselves and their own issues as opposed to, like, who they're playing, if that makes sense, then yes. I'm so scared to get to play the Lakers because, again, the NBA has an, like, an agenda, and they love them some LeBron James. And, and like, we saw it in the bubble, man. And I know I've said – I'd say it anytime the bubble – to me, the bubble doesn't even have an asterisk. Bubble doesn't exist. Okay. So, like, LeBron didn't win a championship. <laughs> the Nuggets didn't win back-to-back 3-1. to one. To me, in my mind, it doesn't – it didn't happen. It was just really entertaining pickup basketball. Okay. That's the way I see it. And the lore of the NBA doesn't count to me. <laughs> but we saw in that conference finals, the Nuggets were ultimately outmatched by the Lakers, but it wasn't as – it wasn't, like, as big of a discrepancy – is what they lost in six, right? Uh, was it four to two or four to one? Uh, four. No, it was. Uh, no, it was six. I think you're right. It was, it was five six. or six. But the amount of calls that went the Lakers' way in that series was obscene. And I just, it was so frustrating that you knew that Jokic was going to go on one end. He could get hacked by three different people. It wasn't going to get called. And then if the Lakers even got like breathed on. It was going to be a three point. You look at AD, and he's. It was just, and it was just. I would. I'm okay with my teams losing, just as long as it's fair and square. And I put that in air quotes. That's not really ever going to happen in the NBA. But I'm just terrified of playing a LeBron team in the Western Conference Finals in a year that they were gearing up. The they've been telling us about the Lakers since like December. Yeah, I mean they've been talking up the Lakers. The Lakers were thirteenth. They were at the end. Yeah, they were at the bottom of the barrel. The Lakers were thirteenth in the West and talking about, hey, do you think the Lakers could beat the Nuggets in an eight to one series matchup? And the entire panel raised their hands and said yes. I mean, like that's and whether or not you agree with it or not, that's what you're going against. You're going against a not only a national but a media bias for that team. It just like and we've seen it before. Yeah. With the Lakers, that they they just get calls, and LeBron isn't afraid to you know play politician with the with the refs. So ultimately, I know that's like not really fully answering your question. I think if they had a team camaraderie of like it's us against the world, a game seven would bode well for them. Yeah, um, I think actually winning in six would bode more well more well, for them though. Because if they were to do it in Phoenix, yeah, and just be like, okay, bring us, bring on whoever. Like yeah. we don't care. We we saw the worst of who we're going to play against. Um, bring it on. But just the whole LeBron agenda that the NBA has, um, 
terrifies me. I, I can agree with you on that part. And with six, if they do win in six and find a way to get that mojo on the road going, I think that that helps this team. But I do fear for a LeBron and AD Lakers team coming to Denver and having to play because of those things that you said. And not to mention, and I mean to the Lakers' point too, they they're playing really good defense. They are like when AD is on, he looks head and shoulders like the best player in the world. I mean, yeah, when you get like five six blocks in a game, it's insane. But AD when he is like when he decides to play basketball, he is. I think he's better than Jokic. I think he's better yeah. than Giannis. He only just does it once out of every ten games. That's yeah. the problem. So, but so AD, it doesn't happen when he decides that he wants to. He it's insane how good he is. So I don't want to like discredit the Lakers, you know, too much. But um, out of who would you rather have, the Warriors or the Lakers? You know, it's the part that I want is the Warriors simply to be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, to beat the ones who have been there and won it, you know, most recently right. and who have knocked out the Nuggets. And so the Warriors, I, I I like the fact that they could play them. And I feel like they m- match up because Jokic and AD are different centers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not going to see the triple doubles from him because there will be fights for rebounds underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you just don't, you also like the same thing. You don't know which one you're going to get with AD and you don't know who is going to go off for the Warriors some night. So it's kind of one of each. What I hope is that part of your conspiracy, X-Files theory, whatever it is, is that regardless of what happens in the Nuggets series, that that series goes seven, and they just beat each other up yeah, and run right. each other up and down the court. That yeah. there's one game, uh, you know, there's been two blowouts in there where in, in those games where they've, had, they've rested the starters at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So I just want some close games in that series so they wear each other out because the Nuggets and Suns are playing to the bitter end basically in the right. series. So yeah. And let me ask you this then, just if you if you have an answer, what would be like your you can do personal or just from like a what you think national media would like matchups in the finals. What would be like if you had to pick and pull and you're just like that's the best rating or that's the most entertaining or whatever, what would be like I don't know if you have a top three. It, I mean, as far as overall, like it would be part of it would be Embiid and or Philadelphia and the Nuggets. That mm-hmm. would be a huge one. That'd probably be like two for me. Though. Yeah, um, Boston, LA. It's got yeah, that's got to be mean, number one. Yeah, the like, NBA would love. That. Oh my goodness! Yeah, bring that. Even back. if it's Boston, Golden State, still the same. It, it, yeah, but the Lakers and Boston just right. have so much. So that that is number one. Like as as a fan, it would be. And beating Jokic in the finals, right? Because they've been one and two in the MVP voting so so much recently, uh, with Giannis in there too as three. But um, yeah, the Bucks uh, screwed the pooch on that. And then, you know, I, I don't. There's something about like Spolstra and the Heat that is just the underdog story because they always they always seem to do well, mm. and it's a good story because nobody was really talking about them. And then all of a sudden, it's like it's a different guy yeah, every they night. Lost in the play. I know. It's just, it's a cool story, but storylines go, I mean, I, those have to be the top two that you want. And then maybe, yeah, Golden State and Boston would be three. Yeah, rematches of last year. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would probably put, because I do think Philly and, and Yo, like Embiid versus Jokic yeah. would be probably, probably, oh man, probably third, because I think, from like a national media perspective, it's basically Boston and anyone. 
Yeah. But, like, I think Boston and Phoenix, especially if, like, Chris Paul, if they just, like, you know, if if Devin Booker and Kevin Durant just carried them to a finals and then it was Boston and the Suns, I'd probably put that second. But, I mean, yeah, Boston. That's what I'm most scared for. It's just, like, Boston and L.A. Yeah. It's like, God, that is the most it's the most boring thing ever. Like, to see LeBron in another finals just, like, yawn to me. Yeah. Well, and, and nobody – I don't nobody, care nobody about here locally wants. Yeah, nobody cares about that. Nobody I wants to watch care. put it on TV. I don't like the Lakers. Like I don't. The Lakers were actually. I was a Lakers fan before I was a Nuggets fan. Yeah, with like Kobe and Shaq and stuff. But it's just like the Lakers are just so bleh to me. That's it's like it, such a boring finals. Plus, Boston would probably gentlemen sweep them. Probably. I, I would. I would hope so because Boston. Boston is. Boston is damn so good. deep, dude. Yeah. they're so deep. I thought. I mean, if it's not Tatum one night, it's Brown. If it, like you, yeah, just, Marcus Smart is clutch. Smart. Al Horford's clutch. Like I have, I had Boston winning it. They were probably no. Was it Milwaukee the favorites? Milwaukee the was the one the season. Yeah. Well, the, the beginning of the season, yeah. I thought because Boston's just so deep. But if anything, Boston's going to lose because their coach. But yeah, I'd probably do Boston, L.A. Uh, Boston, Phoenix, and then 76ers in yeah. Denver. Yeah, I just, I don't know if the, I, I kind of feel like the KD story, um, the Durant story is kind of run its course. I think people are kind of sick of just seeing KD jump onto another team <laughs> to win a championship. I think, you know, speaking of the LeBron story being getting old, it's kind of old seeing Le- or KD. Well, I'm going to go to, you know, Brooklyn and win a championship. Right. Nope, nope, never mind. Kyrie and James, we didn't work out. I'm going to go to Phoenix and yeah, win. No, there's, there's some validity to that. Um, I, I just don't – and I, I actually talked with Sydney about this on the last episode we did. Um, LeBron is like – I just hate his fans, man. His fans <laughs> have made me hate LeBron, man. It's just like all the – you know, it's just for anyone to – any – you know, stands that just like blindly follow someone and this person can never be critiqued for any situation ever. Just makes me hate that person or root against that person. Um, but yeah, LeBron, I've always said he's definitely not better than MJ to me. No, I'm a millennial, I agree. but um, LeBron is definitely like the greatest athlete to play the game of basketball by like head and shoulders. Yeah. Just insane, insane athlete. And I said this to Sydney in the center. He's probably top five. He's probably in my top five. Yeah, but MJ changed yeah. the game. He could in so many ways. Like he made. I mean, things... like LeBron's probably going to end up second, but I would. I can make a debate for myself. Like Steph might even be like, if we're talking like evolutionary to the game, mm, Steph could low like key that. like they could be one A and one B. LeBron and Steph for like the most recent generations. Well, yeah, because kids now aren't practicing learning how to dunk from the free throw line. They're learning how to shoot threes from half well, court except- because it, it's it's a possibility that they can do that. And it even bled into the women's game. Look at Caitlin Clark. That's right. Yeah, you Iowa. Know, you don't see anyone doing. It. You don't see anyone doing that pre Steph Curry. So, um, but I just love her and against LeBron. And he just like he cries to the red. Oh, mm. Yeah, cringe. Right? I get. You I said get, earlier. Cringe. <laughs> just man. cringe. Cringe behavior, LeBron. Oh, well, hopefully we didn't make you cringe too much on this episode of the uh, Producers Podcast as we wrap things up here. Do the Nuggets win this series? Yes or no? On the way out. Yep. Yeah. All right. And is it going to be Phoenix or or is it going to be Golden State or L.A.? I'm going to say I'm going to say Golden State. I just too much firepower. Um, Clay, Steph, Draymond, they're just going to you just can't go against like championship medal. And so they've just done it 
more consistently longer and so I'm going Golden State. I'd love to disagree and have an argument with you about it, but I can't because I think you're right. Yeah. Nuggets uh, versus Golden State in the Western Conference Finals should be coming up after uh, just a few more games here. So that'll do it for uh, us on the Producer Podcast. That's John Simmer. Uh, he was boiling with anger about LeBron James, but now he's cooled down to a simmer. Chill. Yeah, I'm chilling now. I'm Colin Zanker, and thank you for listening to the Producer Pod on denversports.com. Peace.